and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Caitlin, an editor and contributor for Anime Feminist, as well as my own blog, I Have a Heroin Problem. Vry D, why don't you introduce yourselves today? Sure. My name is Vry Kaiser. I'm an editor and contributor to Anime Feminist. Uh, you can find me on the internet and the things I do on Twitter, at Writer Vry, or the other podcast I co-host, at TrashPod. Hi, and I'm Dee Hogan, a writer and editor for Anime Feminist. I also run the anime blog, The Joe Say Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Say Next Door. Spoiler alert, I'm running a fever today, so if my contribution to this podcast is 90% me fangirling about the scenes I really liked, I apologize in advance. <laughs> That's fine. I, I knew when you brought me on to this podcast that I was here to be the cranky one who was mad at things, and I can feel that today. Oh, I think Caitlin and I are going to be mad at things, too. Uh... Oh, yes. Don't worry. We'll find things. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is the, uh, f- not the final watch along uh, of Fushigi Yuki, the penultimate one with episodes 47 to 52, uh, finishing up the TV series. So, as the uh, conclusion of the TV series would suggest, uh, this sort of brings everyone's arc to a close. Um, and it starts off with Tamahome in the real world, um, because he's been brought over by some reason. Feelings. Yeah, feelings. feelings. That's That's right. Everything kind of happens according to feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know what? He looks really good in modern clothes. And (laughs) he has to, (laughs) (laughs) and he has to sort of confront his past. Also, Keisuke fanboys really hard. It's adorable. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess in, as far as like opening arcs go, uh, it's Tamahome's identity crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we start off here. Yeah, it's just a character in a book. It's it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. He swirls dramatically in his trench coat. Um, he walks. <laughs> he walks past a rotoscoped concert. Um, that concert footage was weird. It choices were made. I don't know why, beyond the fact that these last episodes kind of look really cheap. But bless their heart, they're trying. Uh, I think they just blew out the budget. I kind of feel that way too. Uh, they they spent way too much money animating uh, Hotohori's uh, nipple armor. <laughs> Not enough on these final fights. Uh, like, sorry, yep. his armor makes me laugh every time he's on screen, and I try to take it seriously, and then I'm like, why are there little nipples on there? You don't it's, need those. It's, <laughs> it's empowering nipple armor. I mean, you know, if Hori feels empowered in it, who am I to judge? No shade. Uh, I just I just don't entirely understand the purpose. Um, no, that concert scene uh, as a kid, uh, and I'm going to be recollecting for y'all my, my 4 a.m. Uh, finale watch-along feels as we go, probably. That concert felt about five hours long, because we were like, why is this happening? Why is there a random concert in the middle of a cross-dimensional war? Um... My belief is that the Why record is there label. Anything? I think the record label was like, "Hey, you need to uh, put a spotlight on these singers who have been doing like all of your insert songs." And so the uh, anime co- company said, "Okay, we'll do that." You paid us a lot of money, record label. Like, like I will say that that the part of the concert where where it is scoring t- uh, Tamahome's 
dramatic run through the city and he looks a lot like Suzuki for like a hot minute and he's jumping over cars and it's stupid but kind of glorious. He's through traffic, yes, I giggled. It's so um, fucking dumb, way. but it's kind of good. Like, that part I'm okay <laughs> with. Why did you need diegetic sound for your grand- I don't know, but fine. It's more angsty that way. <laughs> yeah, it's... I I feel for Tomahomey in this moment because I, I, I think that it's a legit, it's, how do I put this? It's kind of cool to me that Fushigi Yugi decided to take the concept of this is a fictional character in a book, like, to the ex- to as far as that concept will go. Mm-hmm. Um, these characters actually do have to kind of reconcile with the fact that they're technically made up. Um, and kind of Tamahome trying to figure out, like, what's, what's the meaning of every shitty thing that's happened to me or, like, these memories I have of childhood if none of that is actually real? Uh, right. Yeah. Honestly, if I were Tamahome, I would be really angry at the writer. <laughs> Just like, why the right? fuck did you do this to me? Which, you know, I do think, which kind of circles back to the, the sort of, as much as I hate to bring it to Nakago, who I'm sure we'll talk about plenty later. This It kind of circles back to this idea of, like, the gods being kind of cruel. Um, and the sense of, like, how do you make meaning out of out of what seems like kind of senseless senseless suffering mm-hmm. uh which i think is a running theme kind of throughout the show but definitely in this in this back half and in a lot of the episodes we watch today uh where it's that idea of you know if 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 i'm going to, if i'm going to die or if you know somebody's if somebody needs to you know uh step up to protect somebody else like how do you make that moment mean something uh, and we talked about that a little bit last week with uh, chibiko dying and miyaka you know trying to stop the Seriu ceremony to make that sacrifice, like, count, and she she fails. Um, and so this, I don't know, there's, there's, there's an, there's kind of a fascinating concept that I don't think, I think it's just, like, right under the surface of a lot of these later episodes of kind of this fight between, like, chaos and, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Order? Not, not necessarily order, even, just, um... Just what you do to give meaning to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, it's uh, like nihilism versus. Well, it's 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 hopeless God, versus what? hopeful nihilism. Like nothing yeah. matters, there and therefore everything matters, yeah. or nothing matters, and therefore destroy it all. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the Tamahome Nakago like conflict. If we want to get you know really. Yeah, really, uh, although, really dig into mm-hmm. this from a philosophical perspective, I guess. Yeah, although um, Tamahome gets kind of fatalistic about it in in a way that I yeah I don't know that the series knows how kind of alarming it is. His his whole speech when he comes back and is like, "Well, it's cool because it turns out I'm just I just exist entirely for you, Miyaka. I I live because of you." That uh, was I wrote blog not- in my notes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, like like they've come so far, and now this is the note like we're ending this, on. Yeah, like like me, Tamahome is a fair is a good boyfriend, but the way like this show sort of like I I just I've never been able to really get behind uh, how the show really like romanticizes codependence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that's always kind of bugged me. I. 
there's a part of me that kind of there's I I sort of get the fan I get the fantasy that yeah. the series is playing with mm-hmm. there I get I get the fantasy right. of and and in a way kind of like a, a gender role reversal of you know the man who was born to love the woman and do anything for her and you know he's yeah, there to no, that's serve true. her as and so like especially from you know an early '90s perspective I think there is something kind of cool about it but it doesn't but 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 then there's also this this kind of bigger issue of I don't. I just don't care for stories like that. I want there to be more of, yeah. more of kind of a mutual support, um, right? Especially so. Well, it, it doesn't hold up, and it kind of and it makes me cringe. And again, it, it makes me go bleg. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. But I can kind of appreciate it from from that perspective of of kind of the the romantic fantasy and the and the I guess trope mm-hmm. challenge it's doing there. Yeah, although um, I did. When he was like, oh, you fell in love with me, even though I was just a character in a book. I'm just like, yeah, what teenage girl into anime hasn't done that, though? <laughs> like, who did not have a crush I feel like, on an, an anime character I feel like most up? teenagers have crushed on some kind of fictional person, um, whether that's in anime or novels or what have you at some time or another. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's which again it kind of it kind of plays into that um, sort of hashtag relatable teen experience of mm-hmm. I love this fictional person who I can't actually be with, but you know, they're just so awesome. Um, and yeah, if they knew they would of... be so grateful to you. Yeah, you just go you go hang out with them on the astral plane and the Snape wives would like a you. word. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh gosh. No, it's okay. <laughs> Pushing Yugi was around in like the height of the astral plane thing mm-hmm. too, which to um, inform the uninformed is the concept that all characters exist, and if you love them, you really, really love them, then you can access this sort of um, plane where all of the worlds combine, and you can meet the fictional character that you love. And be together. I was not um, aware of that. Oh no! No, I, oh, I, I missed. I missed that memo at some day. point. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess that's basically what Fushigi Yugi is doing. Um, yes. Although, don't, and, and don't. we'll talk about this when we get towards the ending. Uh, it 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 twists or it plays around with that a little bit. It does. Mm-hmm. Um. So and then uh, a couple of times, most of the finale takes place in um, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But we do stop over into the universe of the four gods a couple of times. Mostly to watch people die. Exactly! God damn it, you stole my line. (laughs) I was going to say exactly that. Um, Some people die in these episodes, a few. This was was the part where my friend and I became convinced that everyone was going to die, and we were just, like, constant. We were just, like, almost numb and, like, sort of just bracing ourselves for our most beloved characters to bite the bullet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fine. The good boys are fine. It's a tense stretch. The good boys are fine, but we'll, we'll, okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, (laughs) Caitlin, I'm guessing you were probably going to spin that towards Mitsukake to start us off? Yeah, yeah, well, because he was the first one to die in this stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but yeah, I mean, I can see why you thought everyone was going to die, because the deaths that we did visit were pretty pointless. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Um, so, like, because Mitsukake um, is injured, and he's wearing himself out 
tending to these other injured people. He has no powers. And then someone comes along with a baby named Shoka. And he's like, well, I'm going to give my life to kill. Give not to kill. No. <laughs> to save all these people. I will kill myself to save all of these people. And that kind of frustrated me because it was like, well, there's going to be more people tomorrow. And there's going to be more people the day after that. Like, this, this is a war. And you are genuinely a doctor. Like, you know how to heal people other than just using your powers. You are... While you are saving all of these people today, there's going to be so many more other people that won't have anyone to help them now. Right, and there's no sense that he's passed on his knowledge. It, it, that it, it, Now they've got nothing. Like, this is not yeah. him living on that way. I, ass- there I assume no- there are other doctors in Conan, you guys. Ms. Kake is not the only doctor in the entirety of Conan. In the emotional logic of this scene, it seems like he is. Yeah, because there, there was no one else to help them for some reason. Reasons. And, yeah, it, it just seemed, yeah, it, 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 it seemed pointless to me. And if you really, really reflect, I guess if you really, really reflect on his character, it makes sense. Because he has definitely been shown himself to be sensitive to mass suffering. And he's, like, very, uh, in his, you know, in his backstory that we got however many dozen of episodes ago. Right. Um, you know, he's sensitive to the suffering, like, of groups of people. He's never got over Shoka. Um, so, like, he it wasn't, does He wasn't make able sense. to save Noriko or Chiriko. Um, he wasn't able to save Noriko or Chiriko. And that is his job. His job on the team is to keep people from dying. Uh, and he, you know, failed. Feels like he failed that. Right. Well, but and he saved other people, like, so many times. Like, he saved... Tamahome. Yeah, but um, I mean, you can't tell me that you've never been in a situation where all you could focus on were the things you did you did wrong rather than the things you did right. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? I have anxiety. <laughs> I, I'd I even uh, is very sad. I, I, um, like if the anime even wanted to sell me on the fact that like he's quietly had a death wish since since Shoka died, I'd buy that. Fine, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think. Any, this has all been so, so, so backgrounded that it doesn't feel earned is my issue. Yeah, like you have to really, really, like, it doesn't feel natural. You have to really, really work on putting the pieces together for it to feel like it makes sense. For it to not feel pointless and just to, just that it's happening to make you sad. Yeah. It, it's kind of like Chiriko's death, where I think both of those characters get more time in the manga and their arcs make a little more sense. But Mitsukake doesn't really. Yeah. Uh, not really, yeah. But in this, well, this it, death scene is much better in the anime than the manga. In the manga, it's almost a footnote. Wow. He's yeah. he's a big, burly, manly man. He is not Yuatase's type. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say that like most of what makes his death scene effective here is the fact that it makes Chichiri sad. Well, and I yeah. and I actually wanted to say I think Chichiri would agree with Caitlin. Um, like he is, and I, God, oh, okay. I that entire most of the stuff with Chichiri is not in the manga, and I think it's wonderful. And I have a running theory that the that someone on the anime staff like Chichiri is their favorite character, uh, and we can get more into that in the OVA because they definitely give him more to do in this last arc, which I appreciate. Um, no, his his reaction to it is is really good. Um, it's very raw in a way that we haven't really seen from him. And I think that sense of like, I am right here with this person trying to get them to not do this, this 
thing, and I can't stop them. I think that I think that hits him pretty yeah, hard. And he and he argues with Miskaki because Miskaki's like, "It's my fault they died." And he's like, "No, none none of us could save them. That it's not your fault." Um, I am going to disagree with you both. Uh, I admit that um, I do have the I do have a lot of supplementary information in terms of the light novel and the visual novel um, that probably makes this scene hit a little bit harder for me. Um, that having been said, I think there's a philosophical question at the core of this, which is um, either Mitsukake sits there and goes, well, I'm going to let these people today die, who I could save, for the possibility of maybe saving more people tomorrow, or do I save who I can when I can? Um, and there's a lot of Buddhist imagery in this scene, um, which I think comes back to the idea of compassion for all. And when Chichiri is trying to get Mitsukake to rest, he's like, everybody's important. Nobody, I, I can't look at somebody and just let them die. Um, and so I think when you argue that his death is pointless, I think that's, I think that's really harsh because he does save uh, everyone within like a hundred foot radius by doing this. Um, and I think that kind of ties into, again, kind of ties into that concept of like, how do sacrifices have meaning or, or are given a point? And I think it ties into Chichiri's rage during that scene when the soldiers get up and are like, oh, I guess we should go back to killing each other. Um, and so he kind of screams at them about this idea that, no, you're not going to make this meaningless. Um, he, he did this to save everyone indiscriminately. Um, both sides, both sides of the conflict, and you're not going to make that make that be a waste. Um, I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a really uh, fascinating and effective scene given how small it is. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that philosophical question of like, again, do you let people in front of you suffer because maybe you can save someone else tomorrow, or do you do everything you can at that moment? I think that's I think that's a, a worthwhile right. Question. And I think that's a decision that people have to make for real mm -hmm. ever like all the time like this yeah. is a, like a real choice that people have to make and you know my personal philosophy has been do what you can in the day because tomorrow is another day and you're going to have to do what you can again that day uh -huh. um and that's sort of how i've always thought of it is sure. like and again, I think Chichiri would very much agree with you. Um, I think that's his philosophy as well. Um, but you know, okay, so maybe it was harsh to say it was pointless because he did save a lot of people doing that. Um, you know what was pointless? What a Hori's death. He yeah. died the way he lived, Caitlin. He died the way he lived. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and like, cause, <laughs> because... And Rye cackles. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck well, this guy! Just, I'm done with him. It was just such like a fucking idiot move. There was nothing yeah. gained by it. He went, he, the sole emperor of a company with no heir yet. Country. Hokey's preg, Hokey's pregnant, but infant mortality, yo. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Like, I guess you know, no, no current heir. Uh, pregnant wife. Uh, goes to confront their incredibly powerful enemy alone when he all personally has no powers. Mm -mm. Like, and he gets his ass kicked, and it makes no difference. No, he, he gets Nakagawa scratch. 
He uh-huh. sacrifices himself, um, like you said, leaves his country without a ruler, his wife without a husband, his unborn son without a father, to give somebody a scratch. And it's not like it was unavoidable. It's not like Nakago was at the gates of the palace, and Hotohori had no choice but to stand there and, and fight him in an attempt to, like, give people a chance to escape. Nakago was like, we're withdrawing. We out. Uh, you get to keep your country. Bye. Like, he did not have to do that. Um... And he knew he wasn't going to win. And I get his anger. Like, I totally get Hotohori's rage in this moment. Because Nakago's basically like, yeah, I murdered a bunch of your people because I needed a distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, So I could then turn around and and murder another emperor. Nakago's really good at killing emperors, by the way. Uh, It's it's, (laughs) It's on his resume. It's right there at the top. Yeah. Uh, um, So, like, I under, again, I understand the anger. I understand the fear about, oh, he's going to, he's going to, He's going after Miyaka because that's how he taunts him. But why would he? Why would he go and confront him in the first place out on this battlefield? Again, he there's, knows he knows he has the responsibility to a country. And then he just no throws it all difference. away for like this. I guess this like concept of like nobly giving his life for Miyaka. I personally think Hatohori kind of had a death wish too, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a hard life. Yeah. Well, it's 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 so frustrating because it seems like leading before this his arc was kind of like you know learning that he can't in fact forsake his duties as ruler and go running off with the Suzaku 7 until this time when it's fine and it gets him killed and guess what guess what Hotohori now there are two power vacuums in two countries and you know what Hoki's back will be first against the wall when the revolution comes (laughs) Jesus Hoki did nothing to deserve that. No, she didn't, but guess what? She's the symbol of the old regime now. Oh, God. You have killed your wife and child. Generally generally speaking, the people of Conan seemed pretty happy with Hotohori. Uh, I mean, he wasn't a tyrant. Like, we talk about what a shitty emperor he was, but, I mean, he was not the Kuto emperor. Uh, Yeah. He'll be a footnote in history, like, in the the long run. Yeah, apparently they have like strong enough infrastructure that it didn't really matter that he was Send Chichiri you know, there to be an impulse. adult. <laughs> I really don't think Chichiri wants to run the country. <laughs> oh god, but yeah, like but the death the death scene was very sad. Yeah, like, the death I scene did, itself is I did is feel good. an emotion. <laughs> so did I. It's I in had the, just I had... like in the tagline. Mm-hmm. We had we had emotions. Well, I had a lot of anger, and then he held up the picture, and Takahiro Koyasu's voice got really like sad and wobbly. And then uh, Miyaka uh, Sayuraki, uh, the voice actress there, she uh, was, very was very good upset. in this scene. She was, yeah, um, yeah. Like, like it can... was, it was a genuinely sad scene. It but is. It was just... But the lead but, up I mean, to it was... is anger, and then they do the flashback reel, and I'm like, oh, that's right, you kind of sucked. I'm remembering all these moments in the past when you kind of sucked. Well, Thanks for reminding there's, me. There's so many things to in in this stretch of episodes and in this show in general. But I feel like it was particularly noticeable um, in the last few episodes where things just happened that had no basis in logic that did nothing to drive the plot that but they were there to make you feel something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when Tom is fighting Suboshi, his family holding Suboshi's limbs. The dumbest fucking thing. Yes. It made no sense. It doesn't. It makes it no... It made no sense. I mean, 
And, like, like Hodohori's death, like, it was pointless, but it was enough to make me feel sad. Mm-hmm. You know? That, like, Tamahomi's family just appearing was just fucking stupid. A cynical person might call it emotionally manipulative. Oh! It, and, I mean, there is a very fine line between emotionally affecting and emotionally manipulating, mm-hmm. manipulative. Um, I would agree with this. This moment felt manipulative because it was like, I don't understand why that happened. Right, um, like, to make you have an emotion. Fushigi Yugi is a very emotionally based series, but I think in its best moments, its emotional moments run on their own internal logic. Like, why does Tamahome come to the real world with Miyaka? Because of feelings, but also, like, at the very beginning of the series, even if they're both, you know, destined or whatever, Yui and Miyaka are holding on to each other. So whatever, it's mm-hmm. planting and payoff. It's emotions. But sure. stuff like the family, it's uh, well, this has no basis in anything. Why is this happen? What am? Why are they here? No one knows. What are they doing? No, that's yeah, that scene really doesn't work for me at all. Yeah. Uh, which again, anime original. Someone on the anime staff was like, we should add ghosts to this scene. <laughs> and maybe they wanted to set the stage for the fact that there would be ghosts later, but I feel like the Genbu mm-hmm. warriors already kind of set the stage for the fact that ghosts were a thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we didn't necessarily need them. Uh but they happened. So Yeah. Um yeah, there she were... dies, and I'm not sad. Sorry, no, fuck that guy. I wasn't sad this time. Like, no. I'm over him. There was a time in my what? life when I was sad about it. I, I think I told you guys this. I don't think I've said this on the podcast. Uh, when I was watching this with a group of friends back in college, one of the friends I was watching it with um, had seen the show as a kid. And she kind of liked Suboshi. And we got to that part, and she was like, aw, I kind of li- liked Suboshi. And my other friend turns to her and just goes, he murdered children. <laughs> And that's kind of of where I am with Tsuboshi. It's like, he murdered children. Well, and also, like, you know, I think the point of sympathy that they're trying to sell is that he's super in love with Yui, but he never listens to anything she tells him ever. Yeah, she told him not to kill Miyaka. He was like, I have to kill Miyaka. Yeah, he's just kind of, like, obsessed with her. He is. Tsuboshi has kind of an obsessive personality with both her and and his brother. Um, Yeah, and although, like, I did not love the part with, like, Amiboshi being like, why am I sad? Oh, Oh, it's like a part of me disappeared. Actually, no. It's like a part of me came back. And I'm like, fuck you. Twins are not two halves of a whole. We are individuals. (laughs) Separate people. Oh, gosh. That probably does get really obnoxious for you, huh? Oh, God. I hate... (laughs) It's like, it's like, oh, twins have a special relationship. Whatever. I'm over it. Yeah, some twins do. I don't with my sister. I barely talk to her. But, like, you know, I don't care about that. But, like, two halves of a whole. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Suboshi find things to be angry about, too. Suboshi died as he lived. Annoying. Um, a couple of Sorry. the emotional beats that really did work with me. Um... There were there were there were two like really major like this is probably like this is happening largely because emotions but they still work for me. Tamahome is sort of like semi afterlife dream with mm-hmm. the wedding. It's so cheap, but I, it got like it was so good. Oh my god! Yeah, Sorry, go on. it just no, it, it it was cheap, but like when he was sitting and talking to his father, I was tearing mm-hmm. up. Yeah, that part was really sweet. I got, Mm -hmm. I kind of got, 
I was really enjoying it, and then they just they just had to shit on Nuriko one last time for the road. Yeah, fuck. Uh, and I was so angry that it was hard for me to enjoy the rest of the scene. Because um, we'd, I was like, I thought we had moved past this. Uh, but apparently no. Apparently Nariko we was in one last dig. Just um, Nariko. Even though Nariko looked amazing yeah. in that outfit. Yeah. Nariko was right. Nariko looked like an Enka singer. Oh, it was so hmm. good. It was real good. But yes, it's it's um, a very it's it's a sweet scene where he's where everybody's back and it's that sense of like what what could have been um, in Tomahome's kind of perfect world. So I, I think that's what they were going for with the with Noriko's horrible horrible death date fantasy, and it actually mostly mm-hmm. worked here until again they were <laughs> terrible to Noriko. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but but the scene where he was like the part in particular where he was just sitting and talking to his dad was mm-hmm. like. Was what really, yeah, got to me. And Zawa mm-hmm. was just kind of talking about how proud he was of him, and mm-hmm. you know, wished him happiness. And I was like, oh, I'm glad. Oh. I'm glad Tom Homey got that got that ghost closure. Yeah, it was. Uh, good. I mean, and maybe like my personal context made it more meaningful right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, it was no. But but the big one, the big part that actually did make me cry was when the uh, ghosts of the ones that died came back and Miyaka sees Nariko and she just walks over to them and just le- just leans into them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was just I like, knew it was coming and I was still like, ah, when it happened. Like, I mean, like, like everyone appearing was really good and like Nariko catching that building was really good, but just... I feel like in that gesture, like in that just little bit of body language, there was so much just like love and trust and support being communicated. And that's really what Noriko as a character, like is really, uh, when I feel like when you watch it, yeah, like when I watched it young, it was like, oh, Noriko's really funny. They have all, you know, there's all, there's a lot of, funny jokes uh about them and they have like you know they're they interact in a really fun way with the character other characters but like you know as i've gotten older like just nariko is like nariko has become like the mom friend and like you know they treat uh the other characters with like just so much love and seeing that communicated so strongly in that one moment was really was really touching mm-hmm. Yeah, the re- the re- reunion scene is is very good. Um, mm. There's even there's a background shot of Toski like giving Chirico the biggest hug, and I was oh. like, oh no, I died a little bit on the inside. That was so good. And he's like, um, hey kid, how are you doing? And Chirico's, Chirico's like, like, I'm, I'm dead. Toski. I was dead, so not great. So like I guess. not great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Chirico, you're okay. No, I was dead. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a very sweet moment. Well, and again, I I freaking love. So there's a lot of things in that kind of final stretch of episodes that is stuff I I really like. Um, and one of them is that um, the group comes together and like through the power of like just emotions and caring and support, they like feed their energy into the the hero to give them the strength to take down the bad guy. Uh, it's it's in Sailor Moon mm-hmm. all over the place too. Um, but. 
I like that sense of like you can't do it alone, and uh, I think I think this final stretch of episodes does a pretty good job. Like in terms of like, it's like clearly still Miyaka and Tamahome are like the heroes, and so mm-hmm. you know Miyaka summons the god and has the mental fortitude to you know survive this you know influx of power, um, and Tamahome is the one who gets to punch a hole through Nakago, which seems fair. Um, yeah. What what with all the sexual yeah, but, assault? But, they, but neither of them, but neither of them does it alone. Um, the other warriors are there and they're, you know, like neither of them could do that without the support of the other people, um, you know, looking after them and caring for them. And I, yeah. I, I really like that in my stories. Um, and I think we see that not just with them, but with, um, a lot of the other characters. The other thing I, mm-hmm. so I actually, okay. Hotohori's death scene pisses me off because it is a pointless noble sacrifice. Um, I, the, the theme or concept of, the willingness to like put yourself out there for someone or something that that is like the most important thing to you i really like though mm-hmm. and kind of to compare hotahori's pointless scene to the very good scene of taski and chichiri going well we're gonna die but we need to buy miyaka time so let's do this um is like a hoorah yeah. moment for me like i clenched my fist my friend and i looked at each other because they were our favorite characters and it was like 4 a.m we were very tired and we were like at least they're gonna go out fighting at least they're gonna go <laughs> out together <laughs> um we were i love that scene i might have watched it like three times oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah did you get did you get a flood of relief when you first realized that they were going to make it yeah when miyaka starts when miyaka started chant because i thought they were i figured miyaka was gonna make it but I had I thought they were gonna die buying her enough time to make it mm-hmm. to like whatever was going on next. I thought they would die buying her time, um, and I was like, "Oh, this sucks!" But at least it's gonna be because to me that is actually a noble sacrifice that would have accomplished something. They had no other choice. Like their only other choice was to basically just like stand aside and let Naka go kill Miyaka, and they're not gonna do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so in that like that kind of that kind of like noble last stand scene to me is like very very affecting and yeah and then when miyaka starts summoning suzaku i was like oh my god <laughs> yes! oh yeah i mean we might even, have high-fived e- each other it was a big this deal. this um watch through was like i i legitimately got chills when miyaka like miyaka started the chant yeah like, was- araki's voice acting is really good in this last stretch like it's really good She's very good. She's done a good job of, of I think, slowly, like, imbuing Miyaka with some uh, maturity and kind of inner strength, and I think you really feel that in this last stretch, um, to the point where it feels like she has had a proper character arc, and she's grown a lot, and she's she's to a point where she can handle, you know, um, withstanding the injuries, you know, to try to help Yui, and then to summon this god to save her friends and the world, Um yeah, so when she when she like when she starts to stand up and say that chant and there's just so much just like raw just kind of anger and determination in her voice, it's very good. Yeah, it's really just and you know, the scene with um Miyaka and Yui confronting each other, uh, when they reconcile. My heart. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it my got heart. me. I really liked well, it's... it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I know you have a particular affection for Yui. Yeah, it's well, and it's really because like she definitely had things to atone for, and I thought 
the anime kind of handled it really well because like she she did she sacrificed herself thinking that that would be it and that's what she had to do Mm -hmm. to make up for all that she'd done and she meant it sincerely and then the show didn't write her off as well i guess it's sad she died oh well like the fact that she gets a second chance is really good and and their friendship is so good and yeah they they fight for each other and and yui you know yui acknowledges the mistake Mm -hmm. she's made the only I Nakako's a piece of shit because yeah, he, he when is. Yui confronts him and he's like, "No, it was this was all your decision. I just I just facilitated." I mean, what you yeah, it's do. it's a that's that's more abuse. It, yeah. He's sitting there and being like, "No, I like, hey, I I may have told you, I may have lied to you, but you made all of these choices on your own." It's like, no, you. She is a child and you are an adult and you manip- you knew exactly what you were doing when you were manipulating into e- her into every choice she made, and that was yeah, like. And, and I mean, I'm to be like, you should be grateful to me for saving you from that. I was like, oh, fuck off, Nakago. I and hate I, that so much. I kind of wish the series had been a little bit more explicit in Yui acknowledging how much Nakago had done wrong to her, I think. Mm-hmm. But, like, and I just say that, like, explicitly. I think implicitly it does a very good job with that because Yui does yes. turn against him and is willing to sacrifice herself to help Miyaka um, and to kind of put an end to... Um, you know, what she has, um, semi-accidentally caused here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, well, yeah, I think, I think, I th- again, I wish there was a little bit, I really just want Yui to punch Nakago across his stupid God, face. yes. Um, yeah. Well, but they, I understand why that didn't happen. Like, within the characters, it makes sense for that not to happen. And so, yeah, I think the way they handled it was, is, was really good because it doesn't, it doesn't absolve Yui of everything, but it does a very good job of showing, what a rat bastard Nakago is and how yeah. and, and, and how much of this is 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 on yeah. him. Well, and I think it's it's important to the show's like attempts to make her flawed and and com- and semi-complicit but also a victim, the fact mm-hmm. that she doesn't die like it it which I think would imply that there's like there's this concept of filthiness that yeah, she could never come back from, which would be really unfortunate That's given true. the things they deal with in her character mm-hmm. arc. Right, yeah. this tragic figure who is only absolved by death. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I do the fact wish that Miyaka fights live, for her, and yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I think living on to fix her, living on to have to fix her mistakes and face the damage she did. I think it's much mm-hmm. more satisfying. Yeah, yeah. and, that yeah. and I she wish says to Miyaka, "You must be so angry." And Miyaka's like, "I'll yell at you later." Uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, because like Miyaka's yes, not like, moment. Yeah. Yes, Miyaka does get to yell at her, but also they they friends. Mhm. Mhm. Um and I do like that Miyaka's like, "Oh, it's okay. I'm o-, and she or that she's not like, "Oh, it's okay. I'm over it." It's like, "No, like Yui's going to hear it from her later, but that's not like what matters in that moment." No. We'll have time but, to um, to talk this out and sort it through and we'll get angry and then we'll you know, we'll still have a relationship, and that's really important. But I feel like there was something in there you wanted to say, and we kept kind of talking over each other. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's all good. Well, I, I think this might lead us into uh, the other thing, is that, you know, at the very, very end, when Miyaka and Yui are talking, and Yui mentions that Nakago is the part of herself that she's kind of scared of. Like, I think that's a really interesting idea, that they just kind of, they deal with it a little bit implicitly, but I they just kind of shove it in there at the end and it makes me angry mm-hmm. because everything about how Nakako's character is makes me angry. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Which I guess, is, yeah, that a, uh, is that a segue I, into Nakago? Or? Sorry, yeah, I well, I have else. one more, 
I, sure. I do have like one more thing that I wanted to say about that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing with Miyaka and Yui is that like, I feel like in a lot of entertainment, the refrain is if these fucking people would sit down and fucking talk to each other, everything could be figured out. And the moment that they, that Yui and Miyaka sit down and talk to each other, like really talk that Yui's ready to listen. Mm-hmm. They do figure, like, they do figure everything out. Yeah. I think that ready to Um, listen is important, though, because there were mm -hmm. times in the past when Miyaka tried to talk to her, and Yui was just too, was just in too much of a a hurt kind of raw place to really, to really care what Miyaka had to say, I think. Yeah. Um, Well, and that Yui had some distance between her and Nakago. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, like, uh, everything between Nakago and Yui is very, it's... Honestly, and, you know, I, I've done a lot of research about uh, depictions of abuse in fiction. Uh, I spend a lot of time with it. Um, the way Nakago uh, manipulates and gaslights and abuses Yui is honestly a really, really good portrayal. Like, mm. um, everything about it, like, parts of it maybe are exaggerated because everything in Fushiki Yugi is kind of hyper real hyper exaggerated yeah, but um, anime. you know and but like his tactics are real tactics that people use and the reality is that like once she once people get a little bit of distance between themselves and their abusers then they are more likely to listen to people who stop, sit down and say hey this is fucked up um so that sort of just that last little bit um I thought brought it to a really good conclusion. Just that particular mm-hmm. piece of the of their arc. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I know that was yeah. something in the early episodes where we were all kind of going off some hazy, you know, several years old memories. Definitely. And I think we were preparing for that to be really bad and for them to kind of vilify Yui and turn this into like a, oh, she's mm-hmm. awful kind of story. Mm-hmm. And it really never did. It did a, I think, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about that line they walked between like not making her nothing but like not making her like just a passive victim but also not um but also having a lot of sympathy for her um and i think they they brought the conclusion to that mm-hmm. um i think it was really yeah it was strong i think they did a really good job with that that central story of the the girl's friendship um which is so nice to see that as a major as a major focal point of the series yeah. mm-hmm. and the fact that Yui and Miyaka are able to kind of through, through much fantastical uh, trauma and and uh, adventure, able to work through that and still be friends. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's really important. yeah, and especially when we consider all the media about like women competing and their friendships being destroyed over the man, um, that Fushigi Yugi, you know, kind of pushed back against that narrative and found a way for them to kind of work through that is again, I think that's really valuable. Yeah, um, there are definitely things about Fushigi Yugi that are a lot more clever than people give it credit for. Um, and that, you know, and, you know, my whole thing's like Fushigi Yugi is sort of about teenage anxieties, um, and like, you know, the tension between like, uh, things that are desirable, and but also this, you know, the scary dark sides of that. And the, you know, and I think that really shows in the way things are reconciled because Miyaka in the end of the show, she also comes to embrace those responsibilities and those hopes and those fears 
And it's no longer about being pressured into things. It's about choices that she's making. Um, so yeah, like I think Fushigi Yugi messes a lot of things up, such as, and we'll, we'll let's we'll wrap that around to Nakugo in just a second. Fushigi Yugi does <laughs> fucks a lot of things up, but it also does. Uh, there there are very very clever things about it if you dig under the surface. Mm-hmm. But yeah, speaking of things that get fucked up. Uh, how about that Nakago backstory? How about this evil bisexual? Fuck. Okay, do we want to do we want to do Nakago and then kind of circle back around to like the finale and uh, sort of Miyaka's final wish and how that works mm-hmm. out? Yeah, that or do we want to yeah. talk about? Do we yeah. want to finish with Miyaka? Okay, so we'll do Nakago now and then we'll we'll swap we'll uh, shift over. Yeah. Okay. Go. I hate it. <laughs> It's I bullshit. assume we're talking specifically about Nakago's backstory. I would also like to point out that he was carrying Soy's corpse around for like a week, and that really, really creeps me out. Oh God! It must. She must have gotten so stinky. I don't know why. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Uh, it's very in line I mean, with Nakago I, I, being I mean, like creepily, I guess, a romantic gesture. I don't know. No, no, I mean it's, it's yeah. It's brilliant in the w- in a way that I'm pretty sure the show didn't intend because I think the show means it to be like oh he really loved her and just didn't realize and he can't let go of the corpse but um like I was sitting here reading it as oh he cares more about the fact that he has something to cling on to and it's about him and not giving her death and burial with any kind of dignity. Cool. Damn. Yeah. It's true though. It's true. Uh, yeah, and then we get his backstory in the last episode. And I am angry yeah. because, in theory, Nakago is the kind of character that I like. But fuck this guy, though. There is a universe where Nakago's backstory is introduced a lot sooner, and we see him as a sympathetic villain. Yeah, a f- as, as, as a more overt be... foil to Yui. Because mm-hmm. he could be an interesting character if... Um... That had been interested in introduced earlier, like all of his very understandable rage, um, and how he's manipulating the situation for this one final conclusion, and that everything is motivated by revenge for all the suffering he had to go through as a child. Uh-huh. Or if he had ever seen um, any of himself in Yui and felt like a scrap of remorse about that. Mm-hmm. But he's like, it. It's all a totally shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. One of those moments where I'm like, this makes no fucking sense, but emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Suck it. Like, because Tomahome can somehow look at his memories because he punched through him in, like, the cleanest uh, impalement ever. He, he bled Tom cherry Homey's blossoms. hands should be nasty after he, that. Well, mm-hmm. Nakago bleeds cherry blossoms, so it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but yeah, like... There's so much about that part that is mishandled um, that could have been done really well. And it's really, like, disappointing. Also, the implication that he's queer because he was molested. Yeah. Oh, God. And, like, the way that, like, the fucking harem girls were giggling. Just like, oh, what's he gonna do with this kid? And it's like, ew. Girls, please, have some fucking sympathy for the poor child. Oh, yeah. (sighs) And isn't there now it's been a while, but isn't there a bit in the manga where where like it reunites him with his mother as he's dying in the afterlife for some shit because he had a sad childhood. So he gets, you know, a happy conclusion. 
There's an I implication that, that that he yeah. There's an implication in one of the final pages where I mean it could just be him like imagining it before he dies, but it does kind of look like his mom and Sawyer like welcoming him into heaven. Uh, so that happens. <laughs> Sawyer, so you deserve yeah, better. Yeah, it's it's one of those things just... where again the backstory is too little, too late. Um, it's really shoehorned in there, and again, like I said last week, cool motive, still murder. Um, cool motive, still does murder not... and abuse. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, that's what, yeah, like, it's still, like, he, like, the things he did are still, like, unconscionable, unforgivable things. Like, even if you want to kind of make him, even if they wanted to make him the kind of villain where you could see where it was coming from, um, I don't think there's, I still don't think there's any way that I would feel, like, really bad for him in this final moment. I think he could make a very interesting uh, mirror to the Suzaku warriors, which we've talked about a little bit before, is this, you know, this idea of, like, the the sorrow and cruelty in your life, which there are other characters in the story who have had bad things happen to them in their pasts. Right. Um, and, like, whether you try to, um, you know, move on from that and, and grow stronger and find some hope and try to find mm-hmm. some meaning in that, or whether you... Um, Get, just just get angry and lash out and and decide that mm-hmm. you know fuck the entire world fuck everybody and again there's a I'm I understand why Nakago would feel that way after everything that happened to him, um, but if you want to if you want to tell that story you gotta start you gotta put the, in the legwork a lot earlier right and, yeah and like I'm I'm in more and even if like it would still be he would still be an unconscionable character no matter what, like you said. But I am totally in mourning for this lost plot line where they really hammered hard on his parallels to Yui and, like, this is her looking at him and realizing that this is what she's being pushed toward becoming and him realizing that he has become the same thing that was done to him and is repeating a cycle or de- de- or deliberately refusing to realize this and where mm-hmm. the wasted potential. Yeah, <sighs> it's... Tim, I... I'm, I'm, this is a weird comparison. Uh, Nakago and Akio, to me, are somewhat similar characters. Yes. Uh, no, I see it. In yeah. that they're both manipulative gaslighters who prey on children. Um, both of them have backstory issues that explain why they are the way they are. Um, that can be sympathetic in the right light. Uh, the difference is that I think Akio is very compelling, and I think Nakago is just a piece of shit. I do flip off the screen well, when both of them are on and... all the time, but the way my, I guess sorry when I say that I mean like the narrative of the the narrative that is told with Akio is more compelling. I think the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't think Utuna ever tried to make excuses for Akio. Oh no, that's the other thing. Like like Utuna does not forgive him. It explain it. Utna explains why he is the way he is, but it does not forgive that behavior. And it starts to feel in this finale like they want us to just feel bad for him. Yeah. Just like, oh, he's doing all of this because he's so tragic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so tragic. Yeah. He could God. <sighs> He had a sad childhood. So yeah. he played Hated. 90% of the characters in the show. Hated. Most of them did not go on a roaring rampage of regicide. <laughs> nice alliteration there. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Anyway, um, I think is there anything else to say about Nakago? Hate. He's, Fuck him. He's disappointing. Eat uh, shit, Nakago. Yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> um, anyway, but so then moving on to. The finale, the finale of Miyaka and Tamahome's. Oh no! Wait, I do have one more thing to say. Oh, yes. One more thing to say. Hey, remember weeks ago when we when we mentioned or I mentioned 
that uh, Yuwatase in her author's notes for the manga kept asking for Nakago Tamahome Dojinshi. I want y'all to think about that and sit with that. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Why would you do that to I us? Had, I had burned, I had burned the lick from my memory and then it happened. I was like, oh no, I forgot about the lick. Oh god. Oh, it was so icky. I did not I did not like, like that. Yeah, there's gross. Gross. Cause there's no way for that to be like not not gross. Not not sexual assault? <laughs> from yeah. an adult to a teenager? Yeah. Yep. Uh I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah. <laughs> uh it's hard uh, for the Nakago course. He's he's terrible. Uh, anyway, anyway, good things, good things. <laughs> I, I mean, not necessarily. So, but the because the conclusion between Miyaka and Tamahome, I have never been satisfied with. Mm. Um, really? Yeah. Which, like, which part doesn't satisfy you? Because uh, there. Okay, first of all, there is kind of a, a to me a really. Um, Significant. Most of the changes between the anime and the manga um, aren't super duper significant. Like the change, maybe the framing a little bit, but they're it still gets basically the same general story across. Uh, there's one kind of major change, which is that Miyaka's final wish is completely different. Huh? What was the uh, what was it in the manga? Uh, so in the manga, after they kill Nakago, after they seal Seryu and kill Nakago, like, everything just kind of starts going back into the book on its own, and their world just kind of gets automatically fixed, because reasons. So mm-hmm. Miyaka's final wish is for Tamahome to be, to come to her world, to be able to exist in her world. Um, and, but he, but then he disappears, and she's sad. Um. And then they go, and then, and then the very, very end is the same, where this this guy who has memories of a past life, like, shows right. up and flashes the ring, and she's like, oh my god, he's back. Um, in the anime, though, the world doesn't go back to normal on its own, so Miyaka's final mm-hmm. wish is... I like it better in the anime, because I think it, I think it yeah. shows her character growth a lot better, in mm-hmm. that sense of, I need to take responsibility for... The probably deaths, given the number of buildings that they destroyed oh, in downtown yeah. Tokyo, um, but also the property damage. Um, <laughs> you know, the sense of I need to take responsibility for that. I need to fix this. And you know, and Tamahome and I like it would be selfish of us to wish for mm-hmm. our own happiness when all of this around us has happened. And I think that yeah. does a much better job of kind of putting a cap on Miyaka's arc in terms of uh, finding a balance between kind of this, this martyrdom thing she had going on versus like, you know, being really selfish. Um, and then, you know, being able to take responsibility and accept Mm -hmm. living in her own world. I agree. So I really, I, so I find, I find that ending, I find that ending satisfying when, when Miyaka, when they make that wish and Tamahomi's okay with it and they're like, this is what we're going to do. We'll figure it out. Um, and they had, then they have their little goodbyes with everybody and they're very cute. Mm -hmm. Um, Tusky yeah. promises no, I, I like... hates girls anymore. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that part. It's the and I know it was an editorial mandate, but it doesn't make it less stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're about to go where I was gonna go to, to the post credits. Go ahead, please go. Okay, so I have never cared for um well no. Uh that's not true. The particular way Fushigi Yuki does it, where love makes miracles happen. You know, I've gotten over a lot of what uh, I decided I hated in my cynical phase. Um, 
I'm more accepting of like certain, you know, certain sentimentalities, but love conquering all just because, um, I have never, uh, never really, uh, cared for. I think that probably originated when I was a small child and I told my dad that love was the most powerful thing in the world. He said, no, because what if someone loves murdering people? <laughs> I think I was like seven hey, when this conversation happened. Thanks, dad. Wake up, child. <laughs> uh, my dad said a lot of weird shit like that. One time I asked him, when I was a very small child... I asked him if we were Native American because we were talking about it in class, but they didn't really explain what Native American was. He's like, well, we, we, all of us were born in the U.S. in America, so we are native to America. And my small child brain was like, what? So thanks, Dad. (laughs) Thanks for saying some really weird, confusing things. Um, But anyway... Um, but yeah, so that has really always been something that stuck with me, um, is not caring for the miracle because love. Um, so I would have been more satisfied with an ending and also meeting your true love when you're a teenager. It, um, first love is the truest, strongest love. So like I would have preferred an ending where... They are separated, and Miyaka just kind of has to move on with her life. Um, because yeah, like it's it's sentimental in a way that doesn't work for me. See, my issue with it was more that, um, and for in case you're just listening to us but haven't watched the episode, it, it ends with Tom with a carbon copy of Tamahome being reborn, who has all these dreams of a previous life. So essentially he's a different person but not really so there's no change there even though this is a completely different human being and i hate that he's real world he's real world tamahome yeah 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 he's au tamahome where the au is actually the real world right but it's like like this is a different person who grew up under different circumstances but it's okay because he remembers all the thing from their last relationship so it'll be exactly the same um so uh is it a spoiler for me to say this gets actually gets covered in the OAVs. Yeah, the OV the yeah, that is what the well part 2 of the manga, which is the second which is only 2 in the OVAs, um is will will kind of talk about like who this guy is and what he's like mm-hmm. and etc. So, we'll get into yeah, that a other little than bit more just being the... Tamahome. Yeah. Um, um yeah, that that part bothers me too. Um the concept of like uh, and that's actually, uh, I know that uh, people in here have complicated feelings about Please Save My Earth. <laughs> that's one of the things that I, that, that was one of the themes that I liked about that series. It's like, do you, are, are you going, are you defined by your memories of a past life? Um, are you the same person? And the answer is only lose? no if you got reborn as two boys. God, I fucking, sorry, please go on. <laughs> We can't. I was gonna say we can't go on a rant about please save my earth. In the middle um, of this. but um, but yeah, like, so that that is definitely something else that has like gotten to me over the years as well. Mm-hmm. I am a sap. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Sucker. And I love the idea of people being karmically connected to each other over multiple lives and finding each other um, throughout the, the, the centuries over various reincarnations. That is, you know, it's very deeply tied into a lot of classic uh, Chinese and Japanese literature. Mm-hmm. And I've always found it fucking beautiful. And so when Tom, when reincarnated Tomahoma shows up at the end of me, I start tearing up. I don't even care about their relationship that much, but I tear up too. Okay, okay, here's my caveat. <laughs> because here's, because sorry. I'm a sap and a sucker. No, no, I, I think, I, I, I get it. Because, like, I, I mean, I hate this trope less, it, like, if they had both been reborn... Or if if Tomahome from the book had just magically found a way through love to appear for for her, it's it's the specific fact of that like she's the same, but he is a reincarnated version of that person that I right. that feels uneven to me in this case. Sorry, please go um, on. And also, what happened to Tomahome after the events of the series? Did he go back to the book and continue to live his life, and then was reincarnated? Did he just disappear into the ether? What happened? I mean, technically he was fictional, so... <laughs> I mean... But I don't like to think about that, because that means all the other characters disappeared into the ether, too. Oh, I no, believe... no. No, it's headcanon time, y'all. If there is a if there is a real-world version of everybody, then that means there's a real-world version of everybody else. Good. Maybe someday, they'll all come together, and they'll have a big party again. It'll be great. Right, so, but, like, um, to get, you know, really personal... Like, um, when I was a few years ago, God, five years ago, because life is short, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, f- five years ago, um, I was falling in love again. Um, you know, and like I said, uh, I spent, you know, too long with my first boyfriend because I romanticize the idea of being with one person for your entire life right mm-hmm. um and like for some reason or another i was like thinking about fushigi yugi and just how that ending just really didn't work for me and i actually sat down and wrote in one night uh, a whole fan fiction about like what if taka did not magically appear what if Miyaka did have to move on with her life and, um, you know, sort of have to go through a grieving process about that relationship and about losing, you know, basically her life in the book? Um, or, if, you know, if she, uh, you know, and who, who she would ha- could have been uh, without that. Um and the stages of her grief and it's like the story starts when she's like turning 30 and like pregnant with her second child um and she's like you know married to a guy that she met uh in college and you know so like i wrote that as a sort of a way of like sort of working through um you know what the feelings that Fushigi Yugi had left me with and the ideas and sort of how certain ideals had fallen apart throughout the course of my life fan fiction is good Mm y'all yeah 
<laughs> it can be very cathartic, for sure. Yeah. I have a very strong connection to this series. Uh, it's flaws and strengths alike. So I, that was definitely something that, you know, I had to actually work through. No, yeah, but, like, this this series doesn't, I mean, I read this series as a kid, but it didn't mean as much to me as it does to you guys, but that doesn't, and, like, I've come out the other side of this thinking, it's okay, like, the high highs and low, there's, there's high highs and low lows and kind of a bunch of stuff in between, and ultimately it's maybe not for me, I won't watch it again, but the fact that it is so important to you is, is important, like, that's... That's good, and just because it's not for me doesn't mean that it's a worthless show. Like, it's it's good, and it's it's very good at speaking to a certain mm-hmm. to, to a certain emotional mind space. Yeah, and you know, um, the other day as I was sort of talking about finishing up the show, um, you know, Jared, uh, my boyfriend, who I was first starting out with when I wrote that fanfic um he asked me like uh do you think do you think it holds up and i was like that's actually a more complicated question than Mm -hmm. one would think because it's like i yeah yeah uh it's like does it still when i watch it does it still like stir a lot of emotions in me um, do I still love it? Yes. Would I, do I love it in the same way I did when I was 13 years old? No. Would I recommend it to someone who has never seen it before? Probably not. Um, so, you know, that's, that was a sort of an interesting question for me. It's definitely it's definitely a hard sell to a modern viewer, at least from my perspective. It's but- yeah, that's my so. I I mentioned this in a in a tweet the other day, but I'll say it here too because probably most people didn't see that. Um, I went into this. I suggested this watch along to you guys, and I really went into it thinking this will be like my last hurrah with Fushigi Yugi, and I will realize exactly how like bad and problematic it is and how it absolutely doesn't hold up and it'll kind of be like and we'll sort of you know give it some good-natured ribbing and some criticisms and it'll be like my breakup date with this show that I've you know that has been kind of a large part of my life for the better part of 15 years and we got into it and the opening theme played that first episode and I was like oh no I think I still love this Mm-hmm. And then the ending theme played in this final episode, and their rings glittered, and I was like, oh no, I definitely still love this. <laughs> um, and it, if anything, it like rekindled the flame. I finished it and was like, I should go write Fushigi Yugi fanfic. That's what I should go do. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, genuinely. Like, I think this has been a, a good and healthy process that everybody should do with, with things they kind of have on sacred pedestals, is go back and, and give them a hard look and be harsh to them. Um, but without feeling the need to give up those feelings and those moments that are important mm-hmm. to you and the stuff that works. Well, like, what, I truly I do. what really surprised me about... Yeah, and I think what really surprised me about this rewatch is a lot of things that in my head I had, I had I guess, misremembered into being a lot worse than they were yeah. were a lot better. 
So it was hard. So that made it harder for me to break up with it. Like the stuff with Miyaka and Yui and that sort of like pushing back against the, the competition narrative um, was much better than I remembered. Uh, mm. On the other hand, there was stuff that aged much, that was much worse than I remembered, like them being just relentlessly crappy to Noriko, especially in those early episodes. Um, despite the fact that I think Noriko was still a very likable character, uh, they did a they did a character poll like halfway through the Genbu Kaiden manga, and they had every character on it, and Noriko was still like in the top two. So, yeah, because um, they're Noriko's, the best. They're the Noriko's, best character, Noriko's, objectively. Noriko's, they're they're great. Um, mm-hmm. So, which you know is again that sort of complicated balance, and it's it's frustrating because like like Caitlin said, it's it's a hard one for me to, I can't really recommend it without a lot of caveats because it is very messy, and there are there is a lot of stuff about it that you know twenty years later does not hold mm-hmm. up particularly well. It is it is a show that makes an effort to tackle some progressive feminist issues. Some of it it tackles better than others. All of them I would say are flawed in some in some aspect. Um, but but it's not like it's not like uh, like Sailor Moon or Utena, which I think still hold up pretty well. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a few mm-hmm. things with Sailor Moon that haven't aged well, but overall, like it's not uh, it's not hard to pitch it to 13, 14 year olds. I think nowadays, um, Utena's yeah. easy. Like there's really nothing in Utena. I don't think there's anything in Utena that I'm like, eh, it yeah. doesn't age well. U- Utena uh, is way ahead of its time. Utena is like the unicorn. <laughs> the the only oh. trouble with Utena is it get is it's getting further from the tropes it was commenting on. So you have to give it more context. But it's still a damn fine show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, and even then, I think there's still a lot that holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and with Fushigi Yugi, I think so much of it is rather than being kind of you know, kind of as we talked about before, rather than, like, it challenges some narratives, but a lot of it is really just trying to encapsulate that feeling of being that age mm-hmm. in that time period. And because of that, it doesn't age as well. It's very much a product of the, of mid-90s Japan, or early 90s Japan, um, which is so frustrating to me because, again, I love this series, and I love being able to share the things I love with people, and even after this, even after this rewatch and the realization that it's maybe not as bad as my memory had had made it out to be, there's still that sense of I just don't know if I don't know if I don't think modern teenagers would be able to necessarily connect with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why it's my number one show that I want somebody to remake <laughs> and make some big changes yeah. to it um, I, because I would love I, to be able to share share that with people. Mm-hmm. The the one thing I will say is. I, I don't know that I would, especially especially for um, queer and trans kids today, don't, Absolutely. maybe yeah. don't, maybe don't, no. but I do think that this show, um, as you were saying about, you know, you've remembered things worse than they were, and I, I certainly did too, I think that's evident in past episodes where I was kind of half remembering shit, but this show does deserve to be talked about, like, I think it gets dismissed a lot, and that I don't think is fair to it. Like, it's a yeah, hot I, mess, I, I but it was real that. important and real ambitious. Yes, and, and yeah, it's the fact that it tries and doesn't succeed, I think. Um, you can at least have a conversation where shows that don't even try, you can't, there's nothing mm-hmm. really to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if we could still think... be talking about Evangelion, which is also a hot mess that I love, we can talk about Fushigi Yuki. People will never stop talking about Evangelion. And I think people are also a lot harsher on it. Like, I did, you know, these, like, quick, very unscientific polls on Twitter last night that was like, uh, how do you feel about Fushigi Yugi? And it's like, I love it. Um, it's okay. Or it's garbage. Right? And, like, not uh, affectionately calling it garbage. Like, it is a series that I 
dislike. Um, and now, like, for a long time, It's Garbage was had a very strong lead. It's kind of evened out more overnight, but, like... And then I did a similar poll with Outlaw Star, which, you know, was uh, another show uh, around a little later than Fushigi Yugi, but, you know, it had a lot of the same kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, was a messy narrative. It had some bad gender stuff. Um, it had, like, uneven animation. Two-dimensional uh, animation gay ranging joke character. From... I like Fred, Fred, but two-dimensional. I like Fred, but two-dimensional gay joke. Right, um, like... At least Noriko um, has an arc and a personality and is more than just a, just a punchline. Mm-hmm. Right, um, so it's like... Yeah, like, I mean, Fred's just, like, a gay panic character. Yep. Um, Fred deserves justice so for Fred. Like, I'm sorry. Please go on. I would say that Fushigi Yugi has a lot more redeeming qualities than Outlaw Star. I like Outlaw Star. Yeah. Uh, I haven't Outlaw, rewatched it in a long like, time, but I have fond memories um, of it for sure. But Outlaw Star got much, like, no one thinks, or very few people think Outlaw Star is garbage. Uh, over a third of the people who answered to the poll on Fushigi said said that it was garbage, um, and it's just like people are so much harsher on like on media aimed at teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I feel like like there's almost like a boys will, and this is I mean this is something that I have been guilty of too. Um, there's a certain boys will be boys will be boys mentality mm-hmm. about stuff. But there's no, like, oh, girls will be girls. It's more like, ew, icky girl stuff. Um, so I think people are particularly unkind to Fushigi Yugi over the years just because it is of the shoujo from the 90s that has sort of survived, quote-unquote survived. Um, mm-hmm. It is probably the most deeply flawed, but... It, it, I don't know. I feel like it is. It deserves more than just that. It shouldn't just be consigned to a, a trash bin. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It, like it, yeah, like, yeah, like Bryce said, it's it's worth talking about and, and going over it and and remembering it as you know, even if it even if it is ultimately mm-hmm. a product of its time, I think it is a a valuable product of its time, and there's a lot that you can sort of. Um, get from the experience of of watching mm-hmm. it with that knowledge that it was a show written in the 90s by a tw- by a 22 year old mm-hmm. um you know, and and this is like this is literally why i decided that i'm not going to just trash on media aimed at teenage girls i'll still criticize it mm-hmm. yeah still, and i think like, we've you know, i think we've definitely done that like Fushigi yugi has has definite weak moments and we've we've certainly um uh criticized it for those when they happen mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, this is trash. This, it, it does this, 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 and this dumb thing. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Isn't it so funny how bad it is? I'm not, like, I'm over that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, um, I almost thought about, like, asking people about, like, Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. You know, which is... A hot garbage show that was part of my childhood. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't have any sentimental attachment to Dragon Ball Z. I didn't watch it. Yeah, me neither. Um, but, like... If I did that same poll with, like, Dragon Ball Z, it would be, like, 90% love it. Absolutely. And it deserves, and it is, my god, that show is full of shit. And I, and there's, I can, I can tell you about it because there's some sitting on my bookcase right now. To further serve your point. 
But yeah. Um, anyway, we should probably wrap up. Yeah. We did run a little we, long. Um, and we'll have, we'll have a little bit now. more. I have a feeling our final OVA episode will be like, we'll be covering 13 episodes, so it'll probably run kind of long too. And we can, we can touch on this a little bit more. But I do, I kind of think of the OVA episode as kind of a bonus episode. Like this, this is, this is definitely an ending. Like if you, like there's, yeah. there's more to be explored with these characters and Oni 2, I think does some good and some bad stuff in terms mm-hmm. of fleshing out um especially the supporting cast um so i'm looking forward to getting into that but yeah i kind of see it kind of as a bonus episode so i think it's good that we had this this conversation at the end sort of looking back on the tv series as a whole before we jumped into the the, the roller coaster that is upcoming uh speaking of the ova roller coaster uh listeners at home if you are watching along with us and you've not seen this before and you want to get into the ovas with us um, we talk about there being three OVAs, Oni 1, Oni 2, and then Echo Den. Um, that's typically how they're considered, but, um, the way they're packaged, uh, especially on Crunchyroll, if that's, if you're watching it through their streaming, which I would imagine a lot of people are, um, they're called Fushigi Yugi OVA and then Fushigi Yugi Echo Den. Uh, OVA is both Oni 1 and Oni 2, so you'd start with that and then you, and then go to Echo Den after that, um, which is kind of the sequel to the sequel. Um, the Oni OVAs have a weird history. Uh, the first one's anime original. The second one is based on the second part of the manga. Uh, we'll get more into that when we actually do the podcast proper, but I did kind of want to give people a feel for what they, how, how to find it and what you should be looking for, um, as you're tracking that down. So happy hunting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and, like, thanks for having me on for this. Like genuinely, you guys, it's, I, I know it's, of course. It's been fun, I, and I loved sharing this thing that you loved with you two. I've enjoyed it. I'm yeah. glad you. I'm glad you've been here to uh, to pull us back a little bit from from fangirling <laughs> uh, unnecessarily at times too. And I think the, you know, we've we've I think we've had some some good uh, arguments and yeah, conversations. It, uh, so yeah, and we we've had right, some conversations. You're always welcome. That, yeah. I, I have definitely proposed doing a watch along on my problematic 90s Sakai anime, so you'll get yours. You'll you'll get you'll yeah. get a chance to get back at me. <laughs> well, I think we like that one too, so we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll watch your problematic fave as well. All right. Anyway, all right. Uh, so thank you for listening to Chatty AF. Uh, next, at some point in the future. We will be covering the Fushigi Yugi OAVs all in one go, as Dee explained. Um, and if you like what you heard, you can find us on the web at AnimeFeminist.com, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, on Twitter at AnimeFeminist, and on Facebook at AnimeFem. Please also, um, if you enjoyed this, uh, support us on our Patreon. Uh, all help is appreciated and helpful. Um, even a dollar a month uh, can make a big difference for us. Thanks for listening, Annie Fam. Uh, we hope you join us for the uh, bonus watch along of the OVAs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>